What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey everybody, welcome to Movie Crush, Friday interview edition here at Pont City Market, the home studio in Atlanta, Georgia. And today, everyone, I had Mr. Randy Havens in, in person to talk to me. Uh, Randy is from Atlanta. He is a local guy who uh, has been in a bunch of stuff. It's kind of a, it's kind of cool, as you'll see in this conversation. Um, he, he was an actor in Atlanta, still is. Uh, but was an actor in Atlanta before there was a ton of like good TV and movies and stuff going on here. Did a lot of uh, local commercial work and stuff like that and just waited it out. And the film business sort of uh, arose around him, uh, which is really kind of cool. He he didn't bolt for New York or L.A. And uh, all of a sudden he finds himself having uh, these great recurring parts on shows like Halt and Catch Fire and uh, Stranger Things, of course, because this is part of the ongoing Stranger Things series. Uh, he plays Mr. Clark, the uh, the cool, affable teacher. Dare I say lovable teacher in Stranger Things. And uh, he's definitely got the face. Like when you see Randy, you'll be like, oh, that's the guy from that movie or that TV show that I love, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, he's able to dis- disappear into all these different roles and uh, do it right here from his home base in Atlanta. And Randy was kind enough to come in and share a bit about um, acting and his process and the audition process and uh, and sort of even uh, gave some helpful tips, I think, if you're if you're an actor or looking to get into that kind of thing. Uh, and he chose the the great movie Jacob's Ladder from 1990, the uh, sort of suspense thriller from Adrian Lyne. A uh, really good movie. Uh, both of us agree that it's underrated. And judging from the uh, Facebook reaction that I got from you all, 
Uh, you're really looking forward to to this bit of disturbing uh, nostalgic cinema. So we had a good talk about it, and I hope you enjoy it. And here we go with Randy Havens on Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't met yet, and I feel like we might have worked together years ago. Uh, I was a PA 20 years ago in Atlanta, uh, and I feel like we might have worked on some jobs on, like, commercials or something. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I've been to, uh, I don't know, what year is it? Well, let me see here. This would have been late 90s. Yeah, I don't know if I really started to early two thousands. Yeah, in the in the in the aughts, I started working. So. In the aughts, yeah, <laughs> back in back in the aughts, yeah, back in the old aughts. Uh, and I did. I looked up your IMDb too, just to see what crossover we had. And um, my uh, one of my best friends from high school, uh, and still a very good friend, is Jim Isa. Oh, love Jim. And you were in Good Intentions, and I yep. assume you've done other stuff with him probably. Yeah, we did some commercials together back in the day. Yeah, and I think Jim's probably going to come on at some point. Nice. And then uh, Jason McDonald mm-hmm. uh, and Catherine are my neighbors. They live a few houses up from me. There you go. In Eastlake. Love those guys. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that had a Stranger Things connection too because Catherine. Absolutely. Yeah, Catherine and I have a, a scene together yeah. in season one. Yeah, I'll probably have to bring her in here. Yeah, I thought she was going to murder me. Yeah. <laughs> you I'm like so reading the script and I'm like, is she going to kill me? Are you uh, Are you from Atlanta? Yeah. What part? Uh, grew up in DeKalb, uh, like Decatur, DeKalb. What was your high school? Um, I'm Well, I was born in Decatur, DeKalb, and then I moved around a lot. Okay. Um, so I live like south of the city, uh-huh. north of the city, east of the city. Yeah. Gotcha. We, we moved around a bunch. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a DeKalb County native myself, and there are not many of us, so. Uh, every time I meet someone, I'm like, oh, where'd you go? Yeah. <laughs> I went to Reed Ann uh, High School and elementary school, actually. But um, moved away for many, many years and yeah. then came back. Cedar Grove is where I started. Yeah. Um, and then and then we went to like a private – I went to a private school for a while. I went to so many schools. Really? Um, All over? Yeah. Um, now, wh- what was your first like um, – were you into movies as a kid or acting mm-hmm. or – uh, I mean, not really acting until I was, like, in high school or whatever. Um, but I always did, like, sort of performing for, like, my family. Right. So. Just that personality. Yeah. Yeah. Class clown stuff? Uh, a little bit, but I am but I am a little introverted. So uh, it was more of just, like, having ideas and, like, whispering like, right. to, the, <laughs> to the friend sitting next to me. You're like, I should totally say this out loud right now. Yeah. <laughs> this I'll is a killer like, line. Like, hey, man. <laughs> So cracking up your immediate uh, yeah, schoolmates. Exactly. No, that's cool. Um, quiet, I, I was a quiet bit, class count. Yeah, I was a bit more disruptive, but in a in a pleasant way. I think. Right. Yeah. Like my teachers liked me. I think yeah, generally you, want, you you wanted to bring joy to the world. Yeah, I don't think I was a big asshole, but I, I I was a little bit disruptive. But they always sort of like, oh Chuck, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and you were you were definitely into the 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 movie watching and stuff. Yeah. Was that a big deal in your family or <laughs> no? Oh, really? No, I think um, uh, yeah, my brother and I were way into movies and books and um, comic books and TV. Yeah. Video games. But it was just you guys? Yeah. No, it definitely wasn't like something that my family was like, you should love movies. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of the same way. I feel like uh, you're one of the only people I've talked to who uh, didn't have like parents feeding them culture and stuff because my parents were just, I don't know. I don't know if... Th- my mom's more into movies now than she's ever been. Right. 
in her 60s. My dad never has been. Yeah. At all. Yeah, I think um, – yeah, I think my dad liked to watch movies. My mom, um, I mean, was definitely a consumer of uh, pop culture, but right. was never something like yeah. passionate about her or anything like that. Yeah, is, is your brother older or younger? Older. Um, was he was he kind of feeding you good stuff? Yeah, I would just read whatever he read. Yeah. And um, uh, as far as movies, like it was like whatever was on HBO. So right. we watched a lot of uh, – sort of grew up on horror movies. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you well, know – HBO was a big deal. I'm telling you, man. They just showed rated R movies all during the day. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was great. Yeah. I think that was a conduit for a lot of guys um, sort of that grew up in the in the 80s. And I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. But um, when we finally got cable on our street and HBO, it was like the world just opened up to me. Yeah. Between that and MTV, I guess. Yeah, MTV was a big deal. Um, yeah, I still remember like HBO used to have like this intro to the movies. Oh, yeah. the city thing? Yeah. Yeah, the model? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's one of my favorite things ever. Um, and yeah, I just that, that, that never leaves me. Yeah. they. Uh, I went back and watched that on – YouTube not too long ago, and it, it was just like a wave of nostalgia, yeah, like washing over me, seeing that uh, that hold the long one. You know, they had a shorter version, but the yeah. long one was just so great. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that again. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, when did you get into acting? Um, when did I get into acting? Um, I did some stuff in high school. Sort of got a passion for it there. Mm-hmm. And then my friends and I did um, – would just make short, stupid short films together. Right. Um, and uh, that just sort of grew into performing and, and doing improv and live theater and, and sketch comedy and uh, eventually like, you know, going legit and yeah. starting to get paid. Now, how does an introvert uh, – how do you overcome that or find yourself saying like, this is probably the weirdest thing for me to try? I, or was it not the weirdest I thing? just didn't think about it. Um, and it's less like, I don't know, performing for me is different than like being at a party. Right. And like being like the life of the party or whatever, which I, you know, I, I would never be that. But um, uh, yeah, performing, there was always some sort of distance in between me and um, uh like myself and like what I was doing. Right. So there's like me and then there's what I'm doing. Right. Yeah, it's work. Yeah. I mean, it's fun work. Yeah. But I think that may be a misconception that every actor is, you know, is just explodes into a room and, you know, tries to grab all the attention. Yeah, exactly. No, I, it's, uh, it, it, that's a lot of it. Sure. I've been on a lot of sets where I'm just oh, like, yeah. boy, I wish you guys would shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Um, so what were your first jobs like? Like what did you – did you um, – like you were doing theater, you were doing improv. Yeah. And then you started going out on like commercial auditions or – Yeah. Because that's yeah. kind of what was going on in Atlanta at the time. Yeah. The um, uh, commercials were the were the deal for sure. Um, uh, yeah, did a lot, a lot of commercials, a lot of lottery commercials. Oh, sure. Um, um, yeah. I mean – it's 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 terrible terrible work, but uh, it does pay the bills. Yeah, and then um, 
I mean, I guess good for did you ever think about leaving Atlanta? Yeah, I've thought about it a lot, but then every time I want to leave Atlanta, I get a gig. Oh, really? Yeah. And that would kind of keep you there. Yeah. And then Atlanta started about, um, I don't know, how many years ago? Like, when did they put the production incentive in? Because that's when it really kind of kicked in, right? Yeah, it was It was probably in 2010, around there. Okay. Um, was where it sort of started. Uh, i trying to think of – yeah, it was probably like 2012 before they actually – the first good thing started shooting here. I think that was Walking Dead. Right. It was 2012 maybe. Uh-huh. Um, Have you been on that? No. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that was um, – before that, it was a lot of like really shitty movies mm-hmm. and TV shows that were like – they would just shoot their pilots here. Right. Um, I think I remember that So era. yeah, you'd get a job on a pilot. It would go great. Like, it would be a recurring character, and then you'd, you know, you wouldn't even get the call from your agent. You would, you know, like, I would just do my research and go, like, oh, they're shooting this in Toronto. Right. Or in Vancouver. So the show would continue. Yeah, the show would continue. They would just reshoot the pilot. um, And then cast, you know, Canadians. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. After all that trouble to make a pilot, and they would just literally do it over again? Yeah. Huh. Well, once the yeah, once the show got picked up, basically the pilots were just you know they would they would go in and go like, here's our proof of concept, right? Um, and, but now I mean like, now that we've got this great infrastructure and there are so many things shooting here, it's like yeah, it's a no brainer for them to go like, no, we just shoot there. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to um on the show about that of why it stuck. I think someone had asked a question via. Uh, Facebook, like why did Atlanta become the the new hub? Yeah. And obviously the production incentive was a big deal, but I made the point of like if Atlanta, if we hadn't had good crews here to begin with, it probably wouldn't have caught on, Mm -hmm. even though a lot of people have now come in from elsewhere. Um, And if we hadn't have gotten that infrastructure, um, that was huge, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, we had had a nice base – um, of crew, and then North Carolina got rid of their incentives. Right. And then they had some uh, anti-LGBTQ legislation go through, uh-huh. and that just chased every production out of North Carolina. And yeah. so the crews from North Carolina then moved to right. Georgia. He's migrated. And, <laughs> and now we basically doubled our um, uh, production staff. Yeah. Um, and, like, then it really blew up. Yeah, every like, time. Now uh, we can just build so many studios here. Yeah, studios and lighting houses and prop shops yep. and costumes. It's like that was the thing Atlanta never had um, because as a PA, you know, I used to – all the costumes were either brought in or they were just bought and returned yeah. at stores. Right. Uh, but you couldn't like run a full show out of here. Uh, but now, I mean, it's just amazing what's happened in this town, you know. And, and what a cool thing for – for people like you that didn't leave, yeah, and now all of a sudden you're – I imagine you're auditioning a lot uh, for like really cool stuff now. Yeah, for sure. Um, what else uh, – I know you were on uh, Halt and Catch Fire. Uh-huh. What was that like? That was great. That was um, – uh, it wasn't my first TV show, but it was my first extended amount of time on a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, in season one, I think I spent, you know, about four months on that set. Oh, that's great. Um and I didn't really do a whole lot character-wise 
But, um, you know, I got to work with some really great actors like Scoot McNary. Yeah, yeah. And Lee Pace and got to, like, you know, uh-huh. work closely with them and, and and watch the way that they worked and, you know, talk to them about their work. And uh, just, you know, Scoot McNary is, is uh, a legend. Like, at, yeah. at some point, he's going to be huge. Um, Hollywood already knows about him. Yeah. But I think I've, the rest of the I world so. is, like uh, – you know, he's just he just sort of hides in these characters. And, yeah. And I don't think people know how ubiquitous he is. He's in everything. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely one of those faces that people see and they're like, oh, yeah, he's that guy. And voices now because he's the narrator for Narcos Mexico. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I haven't great. seen it yet. It's great. It's great to just like as soon as I heard his voice, I was like, Scoot. Nice. Now he's Scoot McNarrator. <laughs> Scoot McNarrator. That's I made good. that joke on Twitter. <laughs> Sorry for repeating jokes. No, no, that's all right. Um, how did Stranger Things – like uh, you were on season one. Yeah. So obviously um, – and I talked to Craig a bit about this and the guys. I had Gelman and uh, – Joe, Joe Keery. Joe Keery. And, and old Dave. <laughs> yeah, and they were um, – David Harbour. Yeah, they were great. And obviously just the excitement of kind of taking a flyer on this sort of uh, unusual sounding show that just blows up. Like what a yeah. cool thing. Well, I think that's um, uh, – I think probably Joe and myself are just happy to have a gig. Um, yeah. I don't think David's ever wanted for a gig. Right. Uh, he's, he's, he was one of those, you know, that was like Scoot before Stranger Things where it was just yeah. like Hollywood knew about him. Sure. And he's just this brilliant actor that like when they needed somebody um, really brilliant to come in and, and, and really nail something, uh, they would bring him in. He has a great scene in Brokeback Mountain. Oh yeah, man. Um, where he doesn't say anything really. Like, like he has lines. Um, it's him and um, Jake Gyllenhaal, mm-hmm. and they're like with their wives at like this honky tonk bar. Yeah, and they go outside maybe to smoke a cigarette or something. And David's just like, you know, I've got this fishing cabin. I like to go fishing, right? And it's just like. Oh, they're talking about fucking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just this great, great, brilliant scene. Yeah. And like David's just so wonderful in, 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 with what he does. So um, I think for him, he was probably like, oh, okay, nobody's ever going to watch this show. Right. Um, but I'll do it. Just, you know, whatever. Um, because it's so good. Like, right. That's what I, when I read the script, I was like, this is wonderful. Yeah. Like this is like everything that I love. Uh-huh. This is like every bit of of uh, pop culture that I've consumed in my life, right? Um, especially the ones like from the '80s. So, like you know, the entire like Stephen King library, right? Uh, everything that Steven Spielberg has done. I uh, when I would describe it to people before it came out, mm-hmm. um, I'd go like, "Oh, you know, I'm on the show, Strange Things, whatever," and and, and people would say like, "Well, what's it about?" And I'm like, "Well, it's really hard to describe because it like it." It jumps genres like I yeah. think there are four or five genres uh, in season one, um, and uh, I would say it's like if if Stephen King and Steven Spielberg got together in the eighties, right. and, and made a movie together. Oh man, how great would have that been? <laughs> it's, well, that's, we're looking at it. It's called Stranger Things, and it's wonderful. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, interesting. I never thought about that. Multiple genres. So it's sci-fi. It's horror. Well, you've, yeah, you've got the sci-fi, you've got the horror, but then you've got coming the, of age, coming of age. You've uh-huh. got the John Hughes high school story for sure. Um, uh, and then with David, especially like later on in, in season one, you've sort of got that paranoid seventies type 
um, uh, sort of thriller aspect. Like, yeah. um, what's the what's the Warren Beatty movie? The Parallax View. Oh, Parallax View, yeah. Um, and then, um, uh, oh, it's the Gene Hackman one where he's the, the conversation. Yeah, though. the conversation. Yeah. yeah. There's, uh, I mean, like, yeah. That's that's so in there, especially when he starts finding like bugs in like his apartment or whatever. Oh, that's he's, true. Like, ripping yeah. his trailer apart, trying to like discover um, yeah. that he's actually like being watched by this secret government organization. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, 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 it shouldn't have worked. You shouldn't be able to like jump genres. Right. And um, it's funny. And it's very funny. And yeah. It's, and it's, and it's very charming. And, um, uh, I think that's why, because it works so well, because there's such an attention to the characters and to the story. Um, the Duffer brothers are just brilliant. Um, creators and they surround themselves with brilliant people. Um, because of that, I think it's become this thing where, you know, like grandparents are watching it with their grandkids. Yeah. Which is bananas. It's like, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I'll meet fans where it's just like, okay, the kid's 13. Uh-huh. There's their parents, also their grandparents. Right. They're all just like, <laughs> we're huge fans of the show. And it's just like, all of you? Yeah, that's really sweet. Yeah. Um, do you get recognized around town? Sometimes, um, not a lot. Most, most times, people just like look at me, and uh, the, I, I yeah, try sure. to I try to escape uh-huh. um, uh, without telling anyone because I am. <laughs> so we talked about introverted, but um, so you'll see out of the corner of your eye at the grocery store, someone's like giving you the long look, <laughs> uh, like it's at Mister Clark. <laughs> it's less the long like I don't notice that because I am so like in my head all the time. Uh-huh. Um, but when somebody – when I'm like talking to someone and they're like – I can see in their eyes that they're, tr- oh. they're trying to figure out where yeah, I, yeah. who I am or whatever. Like I'll go um, to the movies or whatever. Like my movie theater that I go to, they now – everyone there knows who I am. Oh, that's cool. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm sure they love okay. that. I'm sure it's cool. It would be cool for you maybe <laughs> but not for me. Um, I'm like, oh, I want to be anonymous. Um, no, I mean cool for them. Oh, yeah. No, they love it. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, if I go to, like, a, a movie theater that I don't go to a lot, uh, like, I went to the Midtown Art uh, here in um, here in town, and uh, I had a uh, – the guy at, like, the snack counter was just, like, just really giving me a look. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, do you come in here a lot? And I was like, yep, that's what that's that's what it is. That's, that's exactly you know what it is. I'm the popcorn yep, guy. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm like, no, I'm your mailman. <laughs> We have a kind of a versatile look too, though. Yeah, I think you you have pulled off different looks in your in your career. Yeah, so um, which is great, I guess, as an actor. Yeah, for sure. Um, it it's very funny because like um, you know, the mustache sort of came about from Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah, well, that'll change someone's a man's look immediately. And uh, like I got hired, you know, like I I had never even attempted to grow facial hair uh-huh. um before that, and they were just like, stop cutting your hair, stop shaving. <laughs> we shoot in a month. So I come in a month later and they're just like, we're going to give you a mustache. Right. So they like shave and they give me like this biker mustache. So it's like, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's very intense. Yeah. Um, and my hair is just crazy. Um, and I would get, that was when I got the strangest looks. Because uh-huh. people would just be like, what the fuck? fuck is this <laughs> who is this guy yeah literally like was at a grocery store one time and i and i passed these um older black ladies and one goes well at least he know he the only one look like that 
I was like, you know what? True I original. Am. I am. I am. I also wanted to stop and just go like, I'm an actor. Yeah. This is for a part. I right. would I, this I don't think this look is cool. I don't run around with like late seventies facial hair and like really long hair. Right. This is not not my gig. Um I think the part on Stranger Things 2 is such a, a time-honored uh, tradition to be like the the cool teacher who the students trust. Really? To go to. I was I was looking around like I could never find that archetype anywhere. Oh, really? Yeah, I feel like that's a thing. It's normally like strict teacher. Um, I mean, I guess I'm thinking of movies like Gremlins is the first one that pops into my head. Didn't he go to a teacher? Did he? And sort of uh, – I just felt like all the adults in Gremlins were like all terrible. Well, yeah, they all, I haven't like, seen that in a while. Di- di- died in hor- <laughs> horrible ways. Um, well, there are plenty of teacher tropes. But I feel like one of them is like the kind of cool teacher who the student can go to. No? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I would – I'm now I'm going to have to go back and, right. and and revisit because I was just like – I didn't think it was an original thing by by far. There's always, you know, like some sort of um, uh, mentor-type character yeah. um, in, in films and television. But uh, um, yeah, I couldn't find one that was exactly what I wanted to do with Mr. Clark. Um, yeah, I get that for sure. Uh, so I just sort of um, – used a how i felt about the kids uh-huh. um cuz they're awesome yeah they're really great um and uh uh they're just like really good actors um and so i was like oh yeah no i definitely want to like protect these these little beans yeah yeah um and then i also saw the way that the duffer brothers like communicated and and dealt with the kids, um, which was they treated them like adults. Mm-hmm. Um, they looked to them for like advice on how they wanted to do the scene. Um, they wanted to hear their input. Yeah. Um, and so it was a very interesting thing to see. And I was like, oh yeah, that's that's who this guy is. Right. Like he wants to engage them on a level of like respect. Yeah. So he respects them and and um like wants them to like operate at the top of their potential. Yeah, he's kind of the teacher you always want. Yeah. Uh period, but especially at that age. Yeah. Just like so important in a kid's life to have like a teacher like that, I think. For sure. It's very, very especially cool. when you're when you have to build an isolation tank or right. <laughs> open a gateway to another dimension. <laughs> It's great to have a middle school science teacher help you with that. <laughs> what do um, it was? Int- I don't know if you listened to Karen's episode, but um, we know ta- what movie did she do? She did Rebecca Alfred Hitchcock's okay. Rebecca. All right, but we talked a little bit about um, just costuming and wardrobe and how cool it is for her to be in those first fittings and see like the actor kind of put their role on for the uh-huh. first time. And I'm just curious for an actor, like how do you? How do you go about building your character? Um, I know it, clothes are important for a lot of actors. For sure, yeah. But what, what's your process like? Um, because wardrobe is one of the last things you'll do, mm-hmm. um, I start and work my way out. Um, 
but that's it. Like once the finishing touches have been put on, because like you, you'll go through fittings and stuff, and 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 we had a great um, costume designer in season one as well, um, who sort of just like built out this character. And it's funny, she was also the costume designer for Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, cool. And she was like. She was the one who she was like, okay, we're going to like separate your Halt character from this character. Right. Because they, you know, both are going to have mustaches. Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay, we're going to do no glasses for Mr. Clark. That's cool that she had that knowledge. Yeah. You know. Um, oh, she's she's um, just a brilliant, brilliant lady. Um, and, uh, um, you know, sort of walk through the character and she would ask me things about the character mm-hmm. and then she would like pull something and like try it. And, um, you know, it, it, with her, it was always um, maybe a one and a half hour to two hour process of putting together the look of the character. Yeah. And even then, I don't know what's going to get picked. Right. It's just a conversation that I've had with her. Um, and then when I go in on day one, that's when I see what I'm wearing. Because they then take the she's gonna options take, to the Yeah, the she's going to take a bunch of pictures um, and then, uh, yeah, take those to the creators mm-hmm. and, and go, like, what do we think? You know, mix and match. What do you, you know, these pants with this shirt, you know, this jacket, this sweater. Um, so really, like, the sweater thing yeah. that Mr. Clark does <laughs> yeah. was, was, was all her. Um, and uh, – so I think as far as a process goes, like it's 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 internal. Mm-hmm. Like you find the motivation. So I'm not a smart I'm not a smart man. Um, <laughs> I'm not a like science guy. Um, so I was like, it would be ridiculous for me to try to learn these scientific concepts um, at this point in the yeah. game. Um, so my process was more why because I got the I think the first six scripts. Um, before we started shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to really sort of delve into the story of the first season and also like what all my character does in the first season. And he, he definitely goes out of his way to like help the kids. Yeah. Um, even before I think it's episode seven where he uh, um, is on a date and takes a phone call. Yeah. Like in the middle of a date. Um. But even before then, I think in episode five is is Will's funeral. Spoiler alert. Um, uh, you know, the kids come to him and they're like, hey, w- you know, what about this other dimension stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not smart enough to fully understand how alternate dimensions work. Right. Um, but – what I can understand is why someone would sort of go out of their way. Yeah. Um, and it would be like, oh, it's because it's out of love. Uh-huh. Um, and he wants to – he just wants to help in any way that he can. Yeah. Um, and so when the kids come to him at a funeral and say, how do you, you know, open a doorway to another dimension? Right. He's like, great. Let's talk about that. Right. Because you guys <laughs> maybe want to get your mind off the fact that your friend is dead. Yeah. Because um, that's what's really – like I, I get, you know, when some actors need to like learn the science behind the thing if they're playing that role. Yeah. But like the the heart of it is the is the heart of mm-hmm. it and the emotion of it. Yeah. I think so. I, I, I like that approach. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It 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 worked for me again because I'm not you know a brilliant scientific mind or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I was like, there's got to be some sort of method that I can use to get, yeah, um, uh, to make this not just exposition, mm-hmm. which it wasn't, you know, it's not exposition in the script, but I'm like, you know, a bad actor can take good dialogue and just turn it into here's information and just sort of spit out information at you. And I was like, let's, you know, I don't want to do that with this. Um, like I want it to come from someplace real. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what I know, I mean, you're someone who gets hired a lot, uh, not enough re- so regionally <laughs> if, you're, if you're hiring, <laughs> but like, made a job. I, I feel like you do work a lot though. And it's, um, like obviously part of that is talent, but um, I've been on enough sets to know that part of that is to have someone around that people like and who shows up and who, you know, like what what advice just nuts and bolts wise would you have for people looking to get into it? Like to ha- like how to be a professional? Because um, it's a big part of it, don't you think? For sure. I mean like in the acting world for sure. Um I mean, I would say be likable, but you don't have you don't really have to. If you're really <laughs> if you're really good, you can be an asshole. Yeah. Um I'm not. I'm not good enough to be an asshole. You're not gonna so, endear yourself um, to crew or anything like that though. Right. Um yeah. So uh but I know I also know actors that like, you know, if they are gonna spend significant time on a set, they will, you know, talk to the crew and they're like, Where are you guys going out tonight? Mm-hmm. Uh, where you guys going drinking? Right. And then they'll go drinking with the crew and they'll buy like, you know, a couple of rounds yeah. for the crew and that'll endear you to them. Uh, I don't do that because I'm not fun. Um, <laughs> uh, and they would just be like, boy, what a, what a wet blanket this guy is. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, 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 I'm tons of fun. Um, but I don't like, you know, like it's like, I know we got to wake up at 5 a.m. I'm yeah, not going sure. out drinking tonight. Yeah. Um, I'll go out drinking on Friday, right? When I don't have to wake up early. Um, uh, yeah, be nice. Be you know, like, if you have an issue, like you can. There's a way to talk about it without screaming at people. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime, any sort of those things where somebody's screaming gets sort of released into the yeah. public, I'm just like, oh, there is an easy way to do that, and it's just like, hey, right. um, I was working on a project not too long ago, and 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 there was a crew member standing in my eye line. We'll talk about eyelines for a second. Yeah. Um, yeah, explain that because so, I know about it. But So a camera's pointing at you and, um, uh, you know, you're looking in a direction and it, you have to be looking in the right direction for the edit to work, right? So, like, if you're, like, making eye contact with a character who's off screen, like, you have to be looking at a specific spot. Just so happened I was looking at the spot where a crew member was just standing eating a snack. <laughs> And I'm trying to, like, get in the zone. And you, when you're just making eye contact with someone who's just, right. like, chowing down on some <laughs> potato chips, um, uh, it's difficult to, to sort of, like, get into the zone. So you Yeah, know. I mean, it's a faux pas on set. Like, crew members should always be aware of eye lines and just to sort of stay out of the way. Yeah. Um, for listeners out there. And so, uh, you know. I I knew we weren't going to use that take anyway because it was the first take or whatever. So I was just like, I'm not going to scream about it. They called cut and I just walked over and I was like, hey, man, you're right in my eye line. If you could just take three steps over. Yeah. Um, I could just like look there and, you know, in my mind, create whatever I need to create in mm. that space that's not you snacking on Lay's. Right. <laughs> um, was he cool? Yeah. Okay. He was like, oh, sorry, dude. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that's which, is nor- which is normally what will happen, but, you know, occasionally you'll get Christian Bale screaming at you. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, so yeah, there, you know, just be ple- – you can be pleasant without you – don't, you don't have to be the nicest person in the world. Just yeah. be – don't be unpleasant. Right. Um, you can ask for things without yeah. – uh, and, you know, like I'm, I'm not a diva or anything, but there are definitely things that I want around me. I mm-hmm. like a – I like a sparkling water. Yeah. I like a Topo Chico. Uh-huh. <laughs> what about the audition process? Because um, people kind of uh, inquire about tips and things like that. Um, what, what's, your, what's your deal with auditions? Uh, I don't know. Um, it's got to be tough, right? I mean, like, you know, Atlanta, the, the market here is, is um, interesting because a lot of your initial auditions are just um, – tapes you do yourself. Right. Um, so you find someone that you enjoy taping with that, uh-huh. that's that's good at what they do um, and, you know, go from there. It's pretty crazy to see, you know, from casting directors uh, that they must get, like, the shittiest tapes in the world because, like, their notes are always just like, hey, make sure that uh, there's light right. in the room where you're shooting. <laughs> And make sure that we can hear you. Yeah. And it's just like, is that a – have people really, like, turned off the lights and, right. like, done their – and they're <laughs> like – I'd be surprised. They're like, if you must tape on a phone, which is a no-no, um, turn it to the side. And it's like, how many people are just uh, – Sending, like, doing yeah, their <laughs> the vertical. Doing self, like, Instagram, <laughs> like, live videos as their uh, – yeah. Uh, as their as their tapes, um, which I guess there's enough people sure. that are doing it. I'm just like with the lights off. <laughs> why even Why even put that in the notes? You know what? You know what that actor should get? Nothing. Right. They should never know why they're not getting hired. <laughs> they're like in the dark, just like holding a phone up, Blair Witch style. Right. <laughs> it's like I don't right know why my career's face. not working out. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, auditioning's hard, but um, you know, if you, you whatever, just create the character um create the world around you mm-hmm. um uh there's an acting technique um uh, strasberg um that's really good about creating the world around you mm-hmm. um so that like you are sort of living in this environment and once you do that you take the room out of the equation right mm-hmm. so let's say i walk into a room and you're there you're hiring for a project I really want to work on this project. Mm-hmm. So the whole time I'm doing the scene, I'm like, boy, I hope he likes what I'm doing. Um, I really want to work on this thing. Yeah. Well, the shitter is, that's not what the character's thinking. Right. So you're immediate, so you're wrong for the part. Right. Uh, because you're not doing the, you're not doing the character. Mm-hmm. You're, you're playing the part of an actor playing a character who, and this actor really wants to get the job. And he really wants it. He really wants the person watching him to to like him. Yeah, that's the role. And unless that's the character that you're playing, like you're fucked because you're not playing the character. The character doesn't give a fuck about this person in yeah. the room because that person's not even in the room. Yeah. Um, but you know that those types of techniques take take years to to sort of learn. And I imagine because there aren't. Um, I've talked about it a little bit before, but I I used to do casting. Uh, as a PA, just sit in and run the camera sometimes. Yeah. And there just aren't many more inhospitable uh, places to be 
Than a yeah. Ca- I mean, they're people are very friendly and they try to sometimes be cordial. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes they're eating lunch. But it, yeah, like that's the thing. I don't think people realize how non like it's the opposite of creative and yeah. and the opposite of art. But you're expected to go in there and bring it. Yeah, and that's the that's the great thing about using a, a technique that takes you out of that room yeah. and like into one that you create yourself is that's such a shitty room to be in. Why would you want to be in there anyway? Right. So why not create your a place that you want to be? Yeah, yeah. Um, why not create an environment? Um, you know, starting off in your mind and then sort of projecting it outwards. Um, create the scene for yourself. Yeah. Um, because it's not going to be. You know, you're going to. Like you're going to have people not looking at you, looking at their laptops, right? Uh, typing on their phones, eating lunch, mm-hmm. um, who are just – they're like, no, we'll, we'll watch it later. I don't – you know, like people right. – I'm just like, why are you even here? Why are you even in the room right now? Right. And it's like, oh, just wanted to feel the energy, man. <laughs> just wanted to feel the energy of this smelly tuna sandwich I'm, I'm eating. Yeah, and this I have a lot of problems with people eating, by the way. <laughs> Fucking hate it. Yeah, not while you're trying just, to work. Take a pill. Right. If there's a I want that I want to live in the future where you can just take a pill and not, <laughs> not have to eat. Or watch he, people eat. That's what or you listen to them eat. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. That's uh, a genuine condition. Or it's, yeah, no, I got that. Uh, I the, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's rage. Rage. Yeah. The sound I bet. of people eating. Uh well hats off to you, man. This just I think it's um acting is so hard. And I think People like you, good actors, make it look easy, and it's just not. Like I've tried to do it, and it's terrible. And I can, I can get up on a stage and perform like with my other podcast, and I'm so comfortable with doing that now. But acting is just a totally different thing. And it's yeah, really, really fucking tough. It is. I, that's what I like about it. I think I like the challenge of it. Yeah. Um, uh, I get. I've always just gotten bored with stuff uh, my entire life. Like if you know, like in school, like. I was always bored in class, yeah. always, unless it was like – unless the teacher was like actively like going like, okay, you're bored. Let's find you something that mm-hmm. doesn't make you bored. Um, and, you know, having this career where I get to do so many different things um, and every day is like a challenge, um, that really makes makes it um, good for me. So yeah. I, I, li- I like that it's hard. I, 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 I sort of uh, – that's the thing that sort of inspires me. Yeah, is, I get that. Is, is how much of a challenge it is. Yeah, and just cool that Atlanta now is like grown up around you. Yeah, and you're you're getting to be in some really cool cool stuff now. Well, I got to, yeah, I got to, I got to grow up with Atlanta, which is which is luckily. Yeah, that's um, great. Like you know, I didn't know what I was doing when I first started getting hired, so uh-huh. it was great to sort of like have the opportunity to sort of stumble through this life. Yeah, and figure out like. You know, because you know, when I first started working in Atlanta, you could, you could get by on quirk and and, and charm and uh-huh. and, a, and, a, and an interesting look. Um, and uh, I did that for a while, and and then I was like, oh wait, you know what? If I actually like worked on my technique a little bit more, right? Could, did you take uh, classes or? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I think uh, that you should always take classes as an actor, uh-huh. um, at least something that you can go back to. Um. Or if you know, find mentors that you can work with, yeah. or uh, colleagues, peers that you can work with um, outside of you know being on set. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it never stops. I bet Robert De Niro is still 
trying to learn something new. I doubt new. that. You know, like uh, <laughs> no, it's, he's, he's been phoning it in for a while. I don't think I was in danger of having him on the show anyway, but appreciate you sealing um, that deal. <laughs> uh, just uh, can we cut that part out? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, uh, yeah, I think you've got actors that uh, you know they they are who they are, right? So it's just like you know what you're getting when you get Robert De Niro. Sure, I could like yeah. Does he need to try that hard? No. Yeah. I think, you know, after Taxi Driver, it was just like, just let him do whatever he wants. (laughs) For fuck's sake. That's a good point. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. All right, well, let's move on to uh, Jacob's Ladder. Oh, man. So That's, you, that is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I mean, you went there with a bullet for this one. There wasn't a lot of deliberation, it seemed like, at least over the email. Well, we we had, we had talked for – I had a few weeks to decide sure. what it was. So you're deliberating. So I knew, I, I knew that I was doing the podcast, and then I sort of started I, – I watched a lot of, like, uh, uh, older movies – Trying to find one. I don't have a favorite. Movie. Sure, yeah. um, it's a I, it's a tough question. I like movies. Uh, there are movies that I watch that I'm just like, oh wow, I can you know I can I can watch this movie a ton of times. But a lot of times those movies are big. So my thought process with this one was like, this is an underrated classic mm-hmm. um, that I don't think. Um, that never got the recognition that I think it deserves. Yeah, um, I, I and agree. I was, and I was like, you know what? Go back, rewatch it, make sure I'm right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, make sure that it is an underrated classic. Uh, and uh, yeah, it totally is. Yeah, I think um, – I don't think I had seen it since um, – probably not in the theater in 1990, but 
I have a definite memory of seeing it in college in Athens uh, on VHS a couple of years later. Yeah. So like 91 or 92, mm-hmm. um, which is a pretty great like late night college movie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and it's a great movie to sort of discover. Yeah. Um, because you're just like, whoa, where's this thing going? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's – um. Well, it's uh, – is it Adrian Lyne or Adrian Lynn? I always said Adrian Lyne. Okay. And then I – I watched him on Charlie Rose. Yeah. <laughs> so it is uh, – rest in peace, Charlie Rose. Who uh, – <laughs> he had uh, – preceding this film, he had made in a row Flashdance, Nine and a Half Weeks, then Fatal Attraction, then this movie, then Indecent Proposal. So he had a very big run of um, just – Sexy movies. Yeah, and very just – I know he gets called flashy a lot. But it was just sort of the movies of the day, and he was yeah. really good at that. Totally. Just big sort of Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and I looked up why he wasn't working much anymore, and he didn't retire or anything. And the last thing I saw, he went to go do a movie, and he was like, well, they, they only wanted to give me like $30 million to make it, and I can't make a movie for $30 million. And I was like, yeah, that's Adrian Lyne. How about that? He makes, uh, <laughs> he I makes, would rather not make a movie than make a movie for $30 million. Um, yeah, and I think he, I think he a little bit um, got sort of pigeonholed into like the sexy movie yeah, genre, the erotic um, thriller. Yeah, but I mean, he he did it better than, better than anyone. I don't think he ever went like the direct to video route. No, no, no. Um, but uh, um, I think because he had sexuality in his movies, it mm-hmm. was like, let's get the guy that makes sexy movies in here. Yeah. Um, Fatal Attraction is so good, though. Fatal Attraction is an excellent, excellent film. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, people get – not confused, but they mix that up with uh, the the Sharon Stone one. Basic Instinct. Yeah, which – I was actually talking to Karen about this. Karen, I like Basic Instinct. Karen Freed, who, uh, <laughs> who I think thought that Adrian Lyon made Basic Instinct. I think a which lot is, of people It's do. Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> He's the other sexy movie guy. Yeah. Um, but also the – like Paul Verhoeven's yeah, career also is Robocop so <laughs> varied. Like yeah. he's just like wild extremes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's um, – uh, Fatal Attraction was great though. Fatal Attraction is is is, is really good um, and not – and only sexy for about 10 minutes. Yeah. And then it gets really fucking scary. Yeah, I mean, I think that was one of the better movies from that era. But Jacob's Ladder did uh, did okay, but much more gained a cult following over the years. Um, with uh, Tim Tim Robbins and Elizabeth Pena, who sadly passed away. I didn't actually, realize. Yeah, actually, and really, rest in peace. Yeah, Elizabeth Pena. Like because how she died. Well, because she is dead. Oh, <laughs> I said rest in peace, Charlie Rose. He's just he's just dead to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, she passed away from uh, cirrhosis and oh alcoholism. Boy. So oh. it yeah, it was pretty rough for her. But um, uh, just a host of '80s actors: uh, Matt Craven and Eric LaSalle, Pruitt Taylor Vince, uh, Ving Rhames is in it. Mm-hmm. Danny Aiello, who I just I forgot how much I love Danny Louis. Aiello. Louie. He's so great. Louie the chiropractor. Uh, just It made me want to watch Do the Right Thing like right after that. Oh, my God. He's so good. He's great. And um, written by Bruce Joel Rubin. So that's sort of the setup to this movie about a Vietnam veteran who, uh, depending on your take, I mean, it's it's a movie about everything from PSD to government experiment to uh, grief. Yeah, grief and guilt. Yeah, for sure. 
Like there's a lot going on here. There is a ton going on. And again, like it could be a situation where it doesn't work yeah. because there's so much going on. And yeah, when I just watched it the other day, I was like, oh boy, like yeah. it could have been so easy for this movie to take like one wrong turn. Yeah. Um, I almost think when they sort of get together at in the middle, I was like, oh man, is that is that part bad? Because which, it, starts, which part? it starts moving into like thriller territory. Oh yeah, um, where it's like, oh, like there's a conspiracy. Uh-huh. Um, uh, it almost almost goes too far uh-huh. with that thing. Like you got cars blowing up and shit, right? And it's like, wait, what? What is this movie that I'm watching now? Oh like, yeah, yeah, like, for sure. Like, is, like the, yeah. he's seeing demons, and now like cars are blowing up. Like, what's happening? Yeah, is it um, like the the whole mafia. It seemed like the mafia, but. This government uh, black-coated guys. Right, yeah. Well, I, I, kidnapping I, I, him. Yeah, I think, yeah, if you look at the history of the CIA, they were pretty closely tied in with the mafia right. <laughs> uh, for a long time. That scene was great, actually. It was one the the inside the car fight yeah. was one of my favorite scenes it's of this a great, movie. It's a great fight. It's a great fight. <laughs> it was really kind of But it does go like, wait, what movie am I watching? Because yeah. why is there a fight scene? Yeah. Um, but it's not, you know, obviously it's not done like... Yeah. Um, but uh, it almost takes a wrong turn mm-hmm. when you get into that. Um, I think it's like a ten to fifteen minute sequence in the movie where yeah. they sort of go into this like sort of like military conspiracy type thing that's going on. Well, there's a lot of red herrings, I think. Yeah, and I don't know if it was just to throw people off the scent. I have an idea. All right, about that. Let's um, hear it. <laughs> and it's that there are so many things that he has to let go of. Okay. Um, and so the movie really is just walking him through all the things that he needs to let go of. Right. So he's sort of moving through like these, the parts of his life that he has to let go of. Is it purgatory? And he's doing this in your view? I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, I mean, the thing that really rings to me and always has about this movie is when, is when Louis, played by Danny Aiello, Starts talking about Meister Eckhart, mm-hmm. and there. Um, let me. I have some Meister Eckhart quotes that aren't in the movie. Uh, now, now, explain who that is and how that fits in for everyone listening. Uh, Meister Eckhart uh, was a religious philosopher, um, and uh, um, he just had some some great ideas about God and about. Uh, life and in 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 what and what it means to be alive and what it means to connect with god like whatever your idea of like god is it doesn't have to be like you know like a religious thing or whatever right um but so i think um i don't think it's purgatory um and i'll uh, let me just i'm going to say some quotes that aren't from the movie at all okay <laughs> but are, but are from Meister Eckhart because Meister Eckhart like becomes a, an important part of the film. Yeah. Okay. Uh truly it is in darkness that one one finds the light. So when we are in sorrow then this light is nearest of all to us. So like when shit's really bad. Yeah. That means that you are really close to finding the solution. Mm-hmm. Um uh God is at home. It is we who have gone out for a walk. That's a great quote. That is a great um, quote. Uh, so maybe this film, maybe Tim Robbins is out for a walk. Yeah. In this film. Well, he's a philosopher in the movie. Right? What's that? Isn't he a philosopher in the movie? No, he's a postal worker. No, but doesn't he have a PhD? 
Does he? Oh, yeah. They, because call I him think prof- they call him Professor. Um, yeah, yeah, what Louis, was he supposed to do? Was he supposed to be a philosophy professor? I think so because I think Louis says something at one point in a chiropractic session that uh, – something about you philosophers. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he does have – I remember he does have a PhD. I think at one point he looks at his um, – uh, maybe not a PhD. It's a Master of Arts he's looking at at some point. Oh, right, um, his diploma. All right, what what other quotes you got? Uh, he who would be serene and pure needs but one thing, detachment. Oh. And so it's Jacob's attachment uh-huh. to all of these things in his life right. that are keeping him from being serene and pure. Um, and so the quote from the movie, from Danny Aiello, yeah. The National Treasure, Eckhart saw hell too. You know what he said? He said, the only thing that burns is the part of you that won't let go of your life. Yeah. Um, So when you – I didn't write down the rest, but – oh, wait. If you've made your peace, then the devils are really angels freeing you from this earth. Yeah. Um, So you'll see demons everywhere. I mean, that's the movie. But what the demons are doing is burning away the parts of you that need to go. Right. Um, And so what – you think is hell is actually just you sort of shedding these parts of yourself. Right. Um, Your attachment to the world. Yeah. I mean, it's a deeper movie than I think it gets credit for because of the, I mean, I know it was 90, but it feels like that 80s gloss and it's Adrian line. But there are some substantial things kind of happening in it. I I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a movie about death. Yeah. It's a movie about dying. It's a, it's 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 a movie about letting go of like your life and you know Jacob the Tim Robbins character uh he's told numerous times in the film that he's dead. Yeah, he gets told that his lifeline has ended. Yeah, he gets told by uh Esapetha Merkinson. Yeah, oh, Merk- she's great. Merkerson, right? Yeah. Merkerson, um who is in peak flirt mode. Yeah. Uh, in the scene, she's a palm reader. Yeah, she's uh, one of the great character actors. I, think. I tell you, man, that uh, just everyone nails it in this movie. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for her to have such a small scene and for you to just go like, God, she is like dynamic. She's, yeah. she's electric. Yeah, and she reads his palm and she's like, oh, honey, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> like your lifeline ended. Yeah, who else tells him? Um, uh, the doctors at the hospital. Right. Um, where he goes through sort of like the demon hospital. Oh, my God. Um, that was truly terrifying. So last night to me as a forty-seven-year-old man, it's in the dark. Yeah. I was freaked out. Oh, it's a great, it's a great, <laughs> great scene. And there's like that he's on a gurney, and the gurney's oh, got yeah. this wobbly wheel that like won't, like that it's like just raised up just yeah, a little bit, it just so won't it's not set making itself. Cut. Yeah, and it's just like spinning around <laughs> as it's like going down the the hallway. And then there's like body parts on the floor or whatever. And I'm like, you could have, you could have not even had body parts on the floor. I know. You could have just had this gurney going down with that wobbly wheel. Yeah. And I'd have been like, whoa, oh, boy. I felt like it got stuck on like a pancreas at some point. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> whoops. Guys, who dropped this so pancreas? disturbing. Well, and just imagery wise, there, uh, there are so many great disturbing images. The and first use of the shaky headed demon. Is it? Yep. Okay. Had never been done before that. Yeah. And I then became that. a big trope. Yeah, because when, when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, that thing. But yeah. then I was like, wait a minute. Like, this was super early for the shaky-headed mm-hmm. demon. Yep. Yeah, I think Marilyn Manson just took the shaky-headed yeah. demon and ran with it. <laughs> um, 
probably based his whole career on Jacob's Ladder now yeah. that I think about it. Yeah. Because didn't he have like an eyeless thing at one point? Or maybe it was mouthless. I don't know. Uh, I don't know much about I mean, the, the black eyes. Like there's Elizabeth oh, well, Pena yeah. has the scene where she's yeah. – where her eyes are completely black. Yeah, like, that was freaky too. Um, and then and the, she's, she has sort of like these <laughs> demon teeth. Uh-huh. And that's uh, when he pushes her across the room. Yeah, when she like gets in his face and she's like, you know, what's your – I forget what her line is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then he pushes her. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the um, – in that doctor's uh, surgical room from hell, the uh, the eyeless doctor mm-hmm. who jabs that needle in his forehead. Yep. And just that whole scene is just great. Yeah. And isn't she one of, is she one of the doctors? She is, yeah. yeah. She's she's like there for some reason. Um, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, that's because there's so much – is it real or is it not? Is yeah. he awake? Is he asleep? Is he alive or is he dead? Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, this is the kind of movie that's best to just kind of watch and not try and figure it out every 10 minutes. Yeah. Because well, it's it, yeah. always something different. Yeah. Watch it run. Once, run yeah. with it, uh, and then, you know, <laughs> your second time you can take four pages of notes like I did. Right. Um, but there's a great scene uh, with Elizabeth Pena very early in the film where she takes all of his old photos mm-hmm. and throws them into the incinerator. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, she's helping you. Oh, interesting. She's burning away your past. Yeah. Um, that's an, That's totally the right take, I think. But it, as a film viewer, it's very easy to be like, how can you do that? Right. What an asshole. Oh, no, she's a, she's a fucking bitch. Yeah. Uh, you think. Right. You know, watching her this whole movie, but like she's actually trying to help him let go of uh, yeah. of this life. Well, which was um, – and obviously this is full of spoilers because this is an old movie and everyone knows what we do here. But Yeah. Uh, maybe tragedy. spoiler alert at the beginning <laughs> of this because we immediately said he's dead. Yeah. His uh, his his great life's tragedy was was losing his son – uh, to a, an accident uh, hit by a car. Yeah, little, little B.B. Macaulay Culkin. The cutest little Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin, Culkin. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty funny to see that uh, kid now, like as a parent of a young kid, because, uh, I mean, I always loved Home Alone, but when I saw him last night, I was like, God damn, that is just an adorable little kid. Yeah, no, he is the, <laughs> like he is like peak, peak adorable. Peak um, <laughs> yeah, like Uncle he's Buck just like era. too, too, like just... Yeah, a little younger than than Home Alone, Macaulay yeah. Culkin, and just like so, you just want to like, yeah, like you want to adopt him. Yeah, because he's not uh, sassy in this movie either. No, so he's no, he is an angel. Like yeah. he's a little angel. Yeah, yeah, he is. So he's lost his son, and um, I feel like everything else is. I mean, that's that's the major thing that he has to let go of. But it's also this marriage that he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when they come back in the, I feel it's like it's sort of the midpoint of the movie. That was I had forgotten about all of that. Yeah. When I watched it before, I watched it last night. So I was going, I didn't fully remember, and I was trying to figure it out my own self. Yeah. Well, he has the dream, right? Yeah. Like he has the dream where he goes, "Oh, I, I dreamt that I was with Jezebel." Yes. Who, who was played by Elizabeth. Who Pena. was somebody he worked with at the post office. Yeah. Right. Um, he was like, I was, I was married to her. It was a nightmare. There were these demons everywhere. Yeah. Um, but the sex was really good. Right. Um, great thighs. <laughs> uh, great thighs. Um, and, uh, and then he's back with his family and then like, you know, sort of wakes up from that dream. But you think that's it. You think, oh, man, this movie is yeah. just took a right turn. Right. And it doesn't last very long. No. And, and Macaulay Culkin's still alive. Yeah. And he comes into the bedroom and says, "Like, you know, I can't sleep or whatever. I'm yeah, that's adorable. Yeah, um, 
yeah, interesting that he has to go back and, like, really let go of the fact that he, like, lost his family, which clearly, like, if you lose your son, go to Vietnam, get exposed to crazy yeah. toxins. Uh, yeah, BZ was the real drug. Yeah. Uh, well, and then there's there's that whole thing. Like, there's yeah. a lot going on in this movie. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Because at the very end, um, I mean, what what is your take on the very end? And that's not the end of this discussion, but uh, 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 not your take, but how do you feel about that reveal? Because I read a, a lot on Reddit today where a lot of people were really mad and they were like, they should have ended the movie with them ascending the stairs with his son. Oh, like when they so when they go back to Vietnam to Vietnam. And it's he's, great. I thought it was great. It's great. A lot of people hate it. What? <laughs> it's great you, because then you see, like, I know it's like putting a bow on it, and maybe that's why people don't like it. Maybe um, because we are a little more sophisticated now. Yeah, um, we don't mind a quasi ambiguous ending, sure. even though that the the walking up the stairway. Not too ambiguous. <laughs> it's a big light, light at the top. He's <laughs> <laughs> going to heaven, y'all. And Jacob's ladder, of course, in the Bible is the yeah. ladder to heaven. Uh-huh. So, um, uh, you know, a lot of stuff going on there. Um, I like the ending. I like when they cut back to Vietnam and he's being like worked on by mm-hmm. these, by these, you know, this mash unit or whatever. Um, because it's what they say to each other, right? It's like. God, he looks so peaceful. Let's, yeah. You know, uh, or let's, you know, it's like, let's call it. He's gone. He, right. He looks so peaceful. Yeah. It's like he's made peace. Yeah. And they said he put up a hell of a fight, though. Right. The entire movie was him putting up a fight. Right. It's a deathbed. Yeah. It's him struggling to, like, hold on to his life. Yeah. I think what I don't get, though, is was that brought on by the drugs or was, was that— his death? No, the uh, oh, the, the no, the I think hallucination, I think, or was that just? I don't the think it was a hallucination. I think that I think that he was like making the journey, okay, um, from life into death. But in order to like um, to do that, like in order to ascend or whatever, in order to like leave behind um, who you are, mm. you have to let go of everything. So it was him letting go of everything, but he was fighting every every second of the way. But I mean, what was was he ever a postal worker? Did he? I mean, he never came back from Vietnam, so right, like none of that really happened, right? Maybe, um, yeah. I think that it was just the place that he had to go to sort of like reckon with his past. Okay, was to go to this sort of future, mm-hmm. and if you, I mean, it's not like. I don't know what year it's supposed to take place in. Uh, Mid seventies. Okay, um, because I was like, I was like, oh, it seems it seems like it's in the future. It doesn't of, feel like mid seventies of of like, you know, you know, post Vietnam or whatever. But uh-huh. I'm like everything's really old. Yeah, and I was like, is this because he's imagining a future, but he can't imagine futuristic stuff because he hasn't seen the future. And so, like, he's oh, just living in the same year of, like, when he went to Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. <laughs> uh, That's kind of a funny take. I, yeah, because everything, everything is, like, everything is super old. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I don't, I don't think he ever worked for the post office. Um, uh, maybe he, maybe he worked there before. I don't think so, though, because, like, I think he'd probably, like, just gotten out of school mm-hmm. to go into Vietnam. Right. And so, yeah, I think all of this was, like, 
him sort of living this life, like him giving himself this life to live. Yeah. And then going, oh, wait, this is all wrong. I have to like find my way right. back to what, what really matters here, which is that like I'm attached to this life. Right. I'm so attached to this life that I'm creating this false future for myself. Yeah. To try to stay alive. Yeah. Even though I should die. Yeah. I mean, I liked the Vietnam reveal at the end too, but I was also kind of disappointed that none of that stuff was real. And that like, because I really did like the subplot of the, uh, his former platoon getting together and trying to figure out what happened to them over there. Yeah. Jason Alexander. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. With a little bit of hair. Mm-hmm. He, uh, yeah, he plays the attorney a who they go to. A little bit of hair. For, <laughs> for eating corn chips. <laughs> That's right. Pulls, Pulls a, a bag of corn chips out of his <laughs> drawer and and, uh, and an open bag of corn chips and just like offers it to everyone. I know. I so thought of that, wondered about that as an acting choice. And I was going to ask you, I even made a note. I was like, just ask Randy about what that was all about. I'm, that's a Jason Alexander original. That's what that is. Yeah, right there. this is I, such a I, weird thing. I guarantee you, he was like, you guys got corn chips? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to eat corn chips. Cause he is like, obviously like it's, it's a very like orally fixated character. Cause he's eating, he's crunching ice. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cup of ice. And he's like, he's pours some ice in his mouth. Like yeah, both of those ch- chomps, chomps, were so spits weird. some out, <laughs> chomps the rest. And I'm just like, Wow. I mean, it would be it would be a weird choice, but as people do it, yeah. And also wondered about like I'm sure every director and editor in the world is just like, oh god, come on, man! Like now don't you're eat. Now, yeah. Now you're going to bring a cup of ice into a scene. I t- you know what? Just he for was, continuity, he was, he was very good about it. He ate one corn chip. Uh, well, that's true. Um, he wasn't like <laughs> snacking the whole time, so it's easy to work around like one. If you do one thing, it's right. easy to sort of like edit around that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If he was just like chomp, 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 chomp the whole fucking time, you know, as yeah. your sound designer would be like, come on. Dude. Right. <laughs> and your editor would be like, geez, man. Yeah, so he doesn't take the case because – and then that's when you think – like there are so many red herrings. Yeah. Because he comes back and says, you guys never even went to Vietnam. Yeah, you died – or like you not I died, but you guys – you got we're in a training exercise. Yeah, and got psych uh, evaluations yeah. that wouldn't allow you to go to war. Yeah. Which so I, I was disappointed that that wasn't the reality of it. I think. Yeah, and I was like, oh, because it isn't because he does die in Vietnam, and I was like, that's not true because they tell us at the beginning of the movie, they're in the Mekong Delta. Oh, that's right. The, the you know the first bit of text that comes on the screen is like Mekon Delta nineteen sixty nine or whatever right um, so it's like they were there yeah someone's lying yeah yeah I didn't think um, about that and it was you know it's whoever the government agents that are like uh trying to cover this thing up or right Blackwater <laughs> or whatever the CIA yeah Pierre, Pierre Lafitte um yeah I, I think I just wanted. I really enjoyed the subplot of the of the drug thing and the former uh, the troops like getting together to fight the government. Yeah, and so I think at the very end I was kind of like, oh man, so none of that ever happened. But I mean, it made for a rich storyline. Yeah, it's 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 another thing that he had to let go of, right? Right. So he has to he has to find out what it was that happened. Because um, they really did get experimented on. Yeah, like all that shit in Mekong was real. Sure. Which was, by the way, like to open a movie, um, not only with a with a uh, firefight in Vietnam, but uh, all those 
all the shit that was going on with those guys was really creepy and like a powerful way to open a movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, to go from that to like, um, I mean, you are a lot of times watching this movie going, what movie am I watching? I know. <laughs> um, it's pretty ballsy. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite moments is is he's just walking down the street and there's these girls that are like, hey, 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 Postman. Oh, and they sing Mr. Hey, Mr. Postman. Postman. And then they sing. Oh, it's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, that was cool. Cause, yeah, because like he's hallucinating or not hallucinating, but that's a part of his dream too. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and, and it just starts out so like it's such a slow burn, I think, uh, because he sees the first kind of creeps on the subway, mm-hmm. that isolated subway. Like there's nothing creepier in movies than yeah, being the on first, an isolated subway station. The first thing that he's, you know, Sort of like is the first bit of imagery that you see is that sort of like very phallic yeah. tail under the the homeless, like guy's, homeless coat. guy's yeah coat yeah. who's like sort of sleeping on the on the subway yeah then when he walks out when he gets off at his station he's or no no when he's in the subway he looks up and there's a poster in the subway that says New York and then he pans over to the right and it says hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty on the nose. And I was like, okay, well, I think we know what's going on here. Um, uh, but then when he gets off the subway, there's a poster that says ecstasy. Right. And I was like, okay, if you'd just shown that once, I I would have said, you know, whatever. Yeah. He passes it several times. He yeah. tries to get out of the subway station. It's locked. He goes back down. It's over his shoulder. And then again, it's like behind him at one point. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, why ecstasy? So, yeah. Why? I, I'll tell you why. All right. One of the definitions of ecstasy is an emotional or religious frenzy or trance-like state, originally one involving an experience of mystic self-transcendence. Oh. Wow. So he is trying to transcend the self. Yeah. I mean, the, the writer definitely like it, – it's – I'm glad you did that homework because it's easy to dismiss this as like an 80s movie where they're just like, let's just put a bunch of fucked up shit in there. Yeah. And and who cares if it makes sense? Right. But I feel like the writer did his homework. For sure. And I think, I think this it all and, sort of made sense. And the set designer and the director yeah, and, yeah. The, you know, everybody that said, oh, wait, how about we yeah. throw this poster in the background? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And even when he's uh, – I mean, there are plenty of – sort of obvious shots where you're supposed to see something mm-hmm. like when he's rifling through his drawers and there's the you know Camus the stranger I he's but he, he's also he's also reading the stranger yeah. on the subway right that one I don't get because yeah, I've never read the, the stranger the stranger is about a sociopath right um uh who just does things to do them yeah and ends up murdering a guy for no reason right um uh so I don't know uh I don't know enough about existentialism, even though Camus says that, or Camus said that the stranger was not existentialism. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe some listeners out there know. Yeah, they I, can I tweet we'll hear me. from someone. Uh, and then Louis, of course, is obviously an angel. Yeah, he says he, so in the movie. Yeah, he says you look like an angel, like an overgrown cherub. Yeah, and he does. Um, Danny Aiello does. <laughs> and and there's an interesting thing that Danny Aiello is. Continually trying to tell Tim Robbins what's going on. Yeah. Um, uh, because Tim Robbins doesn't know his right from his left. Oh, right, right. And this happens several times in the movie. Yeah. And so one time, maybe two times, not a coincidence. Right. Uh, 
he doesn't know right from left. Yeah, he you're either right. He doesn't know where he is. He thinks yeah. he's in one place. He's actually in another. Yeah. Um, and chiropractor as a metaphor was interesting too. I don't think I'd ever seen that. No. Yeah. It's quackery. <laughs> I was like, I know chiropractic is quack. Chiropracti? Chiropracti? Sure. Is quackery. But uh, if Danny Aiello was my chiropractor, yeah. I, would, I would go to a <laughs> chiropractor. Well, it's funny though, because he kind of turns that notion on its head in the movie when he goes to bust him out of mm-hmm. traction. And yeah. he's like, you know, something about what what is this? like The Middle Ages? Yeah, the Middle Ages. Yeah, this is barbaric. Yeah, and so yeah. like I'm, gonna, I'm a chiropractor. Uh, yeah, of course, right? <laughs> the, future, get, the future of medicine. Ass out of here. Um, yeah, that's that's probably my favorite Danny Aiello moment. I think he picks up like a, a crutch yeah. at one point and he's like, I'll wrap this around your neck. And it's like, well, he will. Danny Aiello will fuck you up. Yeah, there were a couple of times where he would – that one and then the other one where Jacob goes to find his doctor uh, when he first learns his doctor's not there anymore. Yeah. And he just bolts out of that office when he sees the teratoma. That was, by the way, probably my favorite disturbing image in the movie. Oh, and the top of the nurse's head? Yeah, when she yeah. bends over and her yeah. hat falls off and yeah. it's just like toothy teratoma coming out of her head. Yeah. And he bolts, and then, like, security's running after him. Yeah. And the whole time I was like, well, why? Why can't he just leave? Because he's not trying to leave the hospital. He's trying to find his doctor, so he's going deeper in. Oh, and okay. And he's not, you know, like, obviously he's not allowed. Gotcha. Um, it seems just, a little heightened for— To just run around a hospital. Yeah. That's what I got, because I thought the same thing. I was like, why, why is she telling leave? him to wait? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe they were trying to grab him, right? Well, exactly, and it uh, definitely ups the tension. Uh because maybe these are the same doctors that see him later that are right. like, hey, man, you're dead. Yeah, yeah. You're dead. You just need to die. Yeah. Um, so maybe they're trying to grab him there to be like, hey, you're dead. Yeah, and it's interesting to think, too, about a deathbed. Like while he's fighting, he's having all the all of this sort of fever dream. and But throughout, constantly throughout, everyone's like, you're dead. Yep. Like you realize what's going on here. And he's yeah. like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> and he just keeps kind of going through, which I guess was the whole process he needed to go through. Yeah. What is the uh, what is the line with the doctors? Um, oh, he's like, I want to go home. They say, this is your home. You're dead. Yeah. He's like, you died a month and ago. He says, uh, says, or you were uh, killed a month ago. He says, no, I'm not. And they're like, what are you then? And he says, I'm alive. And then they go, well, then why are you here? Right. <laughs> I'm like, they make a good point. Yeah. No good answer. <laughs> they make a good point. Um and then the reveal that the soldier, uh, obviously, you know, that's coming, but they had all turned on each other. Right. Uh, yeah. And I mean, it's sort of the only thing that bugged me about this movie is so much of it was kind of spelled out. But I think that was just the nature, like you said, of the time. Yeah. Um, and Adrian Lyon in a big Hollywood movie, you're not really leaving ambiguity. Yeah. You know, but it, it is sort of all spelled out a little too plainly at times. Sure. Like with, with the uh, – the character, the Matt. Uh, Matt Craven. Yeah, when he. He comes in and says everything. Comes in and says everything. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, this is the deal. This is what happened. You guys killed each other. Yeah. You were, we, it was a rage drug. We gave you guys all a rage drug. Yeah, but there was apparently, um, uh, not apparently because I even watched some of it and get to finish it. There was some deleted scenes. Oh, wow. There was a whole deleted sequence. It was like 15 minutes long after he gets that reveal where Craven has worked on an antidote that he is keeps injecting him with oh, to try and wow. fix him. And uh, they took all that out. 
and, and another couple of things they took out as well. But once I got on Reddit and started reading around, I learned that Jacob's Ladder is very well known for having could have been a, a really different movie uh, if the they edit. had yeah wow if they hadn't have changed the edit holy moly I, which okay is I've got to I've got to do this rabbit hole jump now too. yeah I, I, I got to see these scenes <laughs> I want to see I don't think I've ever seen I, I've definitely never seen the deleted scenes from this so that, it's, it's all gonna, on the YouTube it's gonna be interesting but it's not only a deleted scene but it's a deleted like sequence yeah. sequence and subplot yeah which is really kind of interesting yeah I mean I I, I know why the movie's two hours long. Uh, yeah, it was just about right. I didn't want a two and a half hour long movie with a sequence in the middle. Yeah. Um, well, today does, it would have been in there because yeah. you can make you can't make a movie that's under two hours, right? It and it's like. and it's such a tight two hours too. Yeah, it's almost like there's not a wasted moment in there. No. Um, so I I do think yeah okay, why go through this thing? Yeah. Just to get to where you're going. Yeah. Yeah, why have that sequence at all? But I do I do want to go watch that sequence. I would recommend it. Um, it's definitely interesting. It changes changes the film a little bit. Um, boy, you got anything else? Uh, yeah, Pruitt Taylor Vince. Oh, man, he's great. Love him. This is um, – He's good in everything. He's so good. Uh, every time I see – I just saw him in something. Um, uh, obviously, he's in Stranger Things. Um Oh, that's right. Season two um, in an episode. Uh, totally forgot about that. Uh, I just saw him in something the other day. Um, oh, he's always so good. That's I know this movie is all about God um, and heaven, but um, uh, there's proof. I have proof that there's no God, and it's that Pruitt Taylor Vince is not a Hollywood superstar. Right. <laughs> um, he's got that – he's got a condition – Right, he's got uh -huh. a, a medical condition um, where his eyes wiggle. Oh. wiggle. All right, I was going to ask. So um, he he the, he always does that, or he can do that? No, he can't control it. Oh, okay. Um, so all it pretty much everything he does, there's a, <laughs> the camera holds on him <laughs> while his eyes wiggle. Um, and, it's a pretty uh, cool thing to have on the back of your. Uh, Headshot. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, what's his name? The guy that plays Pennywise in the new It movie. You know, he's got an he's got a lazy eye. Oh, really? And so Pennywise the clown can like its eye looks <laughs> you know to the right always. That's a nice and trick. It's a very uh, it's a very creepy thing. All right, because this has that, and not only do they hold on it, but there's that very long push in in Vietnam on his face. That yeah, it, it goes back to several times. Yeah, he he doesn't do any. He sits there. Mm -hmm. He's just sitting there. Um, like everybody else is like Ving Rhames is having convulsions. Yeah. Um, the one guy's having like a, a splitting like migraine. Mm -hmm. um, then everybody else is sort of running around shooting. Um, and Pruitt Taylor Vince is just sitting there. Yeah. Wiggling his eyes. Yeah. And his eyes almost mimic the, the crazy head shake. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder if wow. that's where he got that. Maybe. Maybe they were like, hey. Yeah, you see those eyes? I'm sure when they were auditioning him, they were like, oh, my God, let's do it. Let How do they do that effect? Do you know? Those eyes. The wiggly. The head. The wiggly headed. Um, I mean, A, the guy's doing this. Sure. <laughs> and then they're just going in, trimming, trimming frames. Oh, really? Um, and then blurring it out a little. Okay. Um, uh, speeding it up. I think probably having a high shutter speed on the – or low shutters? I don't know. I don't know anything about cameras. Um uh, Fast some, something <laughs> affecting their um, their shutter speed so that it blurs. Uh -huh. um, it's very effective. And then, yeah, either like 
speeding it up in in poster. Yeah, it's it's the most effective. I think they st- I think they still use it. Oh yeah, that's how effective it is. I mean, it's been overused. Yeah, uh, no, no, it's to it, death. But yeah. um, I remember I think seeing that back in college, it really sort of stayed with me. Um, and all the all the images, like yeah. he really just trots out like some of the greatest disturbing images in movies. Yeah, I, the when Elizabeth Pena gets like fucked by some sort of like devil tail horn thing at that party. Yeah, yeah, that party's crazy, and it comes out of her mouth. Yeah, 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 like, like a fuck, horn comes fuck, out of her. Fucked up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Super fucked. Don't never fuck a demon. Yeah, that's what I say. Um, that whole sequence was pretty, pretty messed up looking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All that hellish imagery. Yeah. It was almost like the upside down. Like you would see it coming. Like first he was on a gurney and it was fine. Yeah. And then it was all of a sudden a a bombed out basement. Mm -hmm. And it's, I wonder what that transition meant though. Um, if it, I mean, if it was all not real anyway. Yeah. It was almost like a sub dream. Yeah, I feel like that's like right. So if we go back, if we assume that the writer has read Meister Eckhart, which I think mm-hmm. we can agree that he has, yes. Um, then every time it gets really dark, that's when he's the closest to letting go, right? To the truth, right? Yeah. So they're taking him into the super dark place and going, "You're dead." Yeah. If he would just go, okay, right? Um, then you know, like Macaulay Culkin would walk in and. They could go up those stairs together. Save the day. Um, but because he has to, like, let go of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, the more he fights, the darker it gets. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. like, as they're, like, right. taking him down this hallway, he's, like, fighting, struggling, yeah. struggling, trying to get out of this gurney. Um, and so it just gets darker and darker and darker and darker. Uh, yeah. Because, his, because he's struggling. And then, you know, like, um, yeah, when he's, when he's with Danny Aiello... You know, there's like soft light and, uh-huh. and like everything is great. And there's something about the adjustments. Yeah. Like he keeps getting adjusted. Right. Um, and every time he does, he has a little vision of something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like there are different forces at work, right? They're like, the, we're going to grab you and shake you. Mm-hmm. We're going to shake you awake, which doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, but Danny Aiello sort of like gently is like pushing him. Right. All the scenes are very soothing. Yeah, oh when he speaks yeah, to yeah, him, and yeah, yeah. Uh, yep, just a, um, just a real angel. Yeah, Those two angels, Danny Aiello and Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> I mean, it's a film that's really made in the edit uh, because the way they dance between the Vietnam sequences, reality or uh, not reality, uh, the of course sort of conspiracy subplot. Yeah, like the way that he weaved it all together was really pretty impressive. I think because mm-hmm. it always sort of always just keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I could see why I don't, I don't think it was a huge success when it came out. Mm, more so later. Yeah. And yeah, cult, cult following. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I could see why, because it's like, because people are like, what is this? Yeah. Like it's, it's not entirely this supernatural thing that's going on. Right. Um, it's not this Vietnam thing. It's, it's not this, you know, story about it, grief. It's, it's all of these things put together. Yeah. Um, just put together really, really well. Yeah. Very cool, man. I'm glad you picked it. Uh, people got pretty excited when I announced the movie uh, coming up this week. 
Nice. Yeah, I was. Uh, um, yeah, like I said, I I I feel like it's so underrated. Yeah, it doesn't get. I mean, obviously, it gets talked about on Reddit, right? So, sure. So guess who's jumping into a <laughs> rabbit hole tonight? Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. All right, man, we finished with five questions. Um, what's the first movie you saw in a theater? Whew, boy, probably, um, I don't know. First one I remember is Temple of Doom. Okay, good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, uh, and I think, good I first missed, movie. I think I missed the first 10 minutes. Oh, really? So he was like in the Temple of Doom when I like walked into the theater, uh-huh. um, I think. I definitely missed the sequence at the beginning where he has to escape and get on the plane and then like Yeah. Like when they fall, oh, that's such a jump, good jump out too. of the plane on like a raft or whatever. Right. But you were at the age probably where you were like, Oh, I didn't know that the first ten minutes of any movie like this had like a really great action sequence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just like, Oh, okay, Indiana Jones is in, a the, movie. is in the jungle and <laughs> right. now there's some evil people uh, ripping hearts out of right. chests. Uh first R rated movie. First R rated movie, I think uh, I'm going to assume that it's the one that really burned its way into my psyche, which of uh, 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 my hot babysitter showed me. <laughs> and that is The Howling. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't, don't show an eight-year-old The Howling. Yeah. <laughs> God. Because you'll fuck them up for the rest of their eight? life. <laughs> Like I just I'm I, I'm constantly watching horror movies, going like, please just scare me, right? Please scare me the way that I was scared when at, 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 at eight years old when I was watching that first sequence in The Howling yeah. in, the, in the porn shop. Yeah, yeah. Where the 
killer is like behind the girl oh, and he's like right. transforming. And man, I haven't seen that in so long. Um, what a great movie! It is really scary, yeah. Especially when you're eight. Uh, and there's some good there's some good classic jump scares in that movie too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I yeah. bet someone will pick that at some point. Yeah, on this, the howling. Craig went with the thing, which was kind of great to go yeah. back and revisit that I, one. I, I went back and revisited the thing. Oh boy, yeah, is that a bad movie for most of it? <laughs> and then, and then, oh, you, and, then well, you, yeah, and then you sure. get to the, and I then mean, you get it's... to the sort of the middle, and it gets really good. Yeah, but it's like really bad for a long time because I'm like, what are your jobs? Yeah, what are you guys doing here? How are you allowed to just drink scotch all the time? Um, <laughs> why do you, why do you, why do you let that? Uh, Guy who just walk around with a gun. Yeah. That one guy with a gun who doesn't seem like he should be the one that has a gun. Although, get me off this fucking couch. Um, I was the rest of this like, die to this fucking couch. Such a classic line. Yeah. I, I forget that actor's name, but he just died. Oh, really? He died like last week. Oh, man. Or two weeks ago. Rest in peace once again. Yeah. But for real, once again. But for real, yeah, not Charlie <laughs> Rose, rest in peace. Uh, okay, as an actor, I'm going to tailor this one for you. What uh, – well, actually, you're a horror fan. What, what is your favorite horror movie of all time? Oh, man. Um, well, so we get into this thing of like, I don't have favorite sure. movies. Um, uh, I have sort of a sequence of films that right, I think are like the three. best. The best uh, <laughs> name three to five. The best modern <laughs> horror films, right? Okay, you've got The Witch. Uh, yeah. Um, you've got It Follows. Yeah. Uh, the Babadook. Yep. Um, and then I'm going to go a little classic, old school, but still new film, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Have not heard of that. It's Brian Cox and Emile Hirsch. Oh, wow. Uh, also, Emile Hirsch, uh, rest in peace, but uh, ironic rest in peace. He's okay. a scumbag. Um, <laughs> is he really? He is. He choked a girl at a party. He choked a, what? a, a producer woman at a party and, wow. and apparently is still working. So, um the Autopsy of Jane Doe is on Netflix, so Emil Hirsch isn't really making money. If you watch it, just don't pay for the movie. Okay. Um, th- th- that scumbag should not – you shouldn't choke women. <laughs> no. I, I didn't hear uh, You didn't choke this. anybody. I'm surprised it hadn't uh, blown up. It was just long enough ago, like two years ago or whatever. So mm-hmm. like, you know, before – Yeah. Before the scumbags were getting exposed. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, it's – he's – he – sort of skirted around it. Wow. So he's still getting parts, but he has to do smaller movies like The Autopsy gotcha. of Jane Doe. But Brian Cox, as always, yeah, is, he's is great. brilliant. And it's essentially the two of them autopsying the body of this girl. Um, and no one has ever been scarier being a corpse. Really? Like, the girl that plays the corpse is Amazing, and all she does is be a corpse. And all she does is be a corpse. Oh wow! Um, she was apparently like super, super into like yoga and could like go like sort of deep into like this yogic state. So <laughs> um, they were just like never move. Wow! Never breathe. Never move. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't want to give anything uh, else away from that, but there are you know some supernatural things that are that are happening. But oh, it cool. is very. Um, is very like classic old school horror. Um and do I have one more? Uh, hereditary. 
obviously. Mm. Hereditary is along the, the same vein as the first three that I mentioned. So yeah. Like, so, like, those four are, like, sort of this new style of horror that I really like. Me too, man. Um, and I'm not the biggest horror guy, but they're really doing it right now. It's a little bit of, like, a 70s sort of throwback to uh-huh. the atmospheric uh, type of horror films, but um, with, like, a new sort of spin on it that I really enjoy. Yeah. Very creative um, stuff. Yeah. Like, It Follows is could easily have been, you know, like, it's almost Halloween. Yeah. Like, it's almost, you know, Haddonfield, Illinois or whatever. Did you see the new Halloween? I did, yeah. I thought it was good. I did. I thought I thought it was good. Yeah. Yeah. I left and I was like, nice. Still yeah. still stabbing after all these years. Yep. I liked it. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's not, it's, it's not going to go on my list of favorites no, because no. it's not doing anything new. No, but I t- um, totally enjoyed it. Totally enjoyed it. Uh, uh, who knew that Danny McBride yeah. was a good writer? Yeah. <laughs> um, I just thought he was just a really funny actor. Yeah. Um, and uh, Toby Huss is the dad. Oh, yeah. He's great. He's so funny. Yeah, he Such is a good. funny guy. He was – we did a uh, we did a, a, a television show, Halt and Catch Fire, together. Oh, that's right. That's and right. And then we were in a, um, a film together as well. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, that guy's a legend. He was also uh, Artie, the strongest man in the world, on The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Oh, Cool. Um, so he was a big part of my childhood as well. Yeah, that's fun. And he was also, uh, if you remember the early days of MTV, I he do. was Frank Sinatra. Oh, really? Yeah. They would do like these yeah, inter- yeah. interstitials with uh-huh. Frank Sinatra where Frank Sinatra was like <laughs> old school, like crooning rap songs. Yeah, yeah. That's to- that I was totally Toby Hutz. remember that. Yep. You can, wow. the, you can find them on YouTube. So That's crazy. Yeah, they're great. Um, all right. Number four, uh, will you walk out of a bad movie? I've never walked out of a movie. All right. 100%. And I've seen a lot of bad movies. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think is the it a one, point of pride or God, just like – there was one I almost walked out of. Which uh, one? <laughs> uh, Hearts in Atlantis. Oh, yeah. Anthony Hopkins? Yeah. No Ooh, good? Oh, boy. That's, I haven't a, seen it. that's a bad movie. <laughs> that's a bad movie. Uh, yeah, there's nothing good about that movie. Okay. Like literally midway through, I was like, this is garbage. Uh-huh. This is garbage that they spent a whole lot of money on. Yeah. Um. It's just like, don't take one of Stephen King's, like, lesser works. Oh, is that a Stephen King thing? It was. Yeah, it was. It, so Hearts in Atlantis was a an anthology that he had put together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just a series of novellas that were all sort of, like, tangentially tied to each other. Right. Um, I think maybe the baseball one was in there, too. There's, like, one of that. He goes off sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And this was one of those times. So, like, uh, I forget, the, like, the long men in coats or something, the long men in yellow coats or something were, like, these sort of, like, demon people that they don't get into in this movie at all. Uh-huh. But the long men in yellow coats are coming for Anthony Hopkins in this film. Right. You never see them. He just, like, uh, I think he's psychic or something. Like, he I can like see, the, seen he it, can but see the future. Time. But it's mostly this coming-of-age tale about this kid. That's what like, I remember. And I'm like, fuck off. Like, who <laughs> fucking you're, – you're trying to make, like, Stand By Me, but you don't have Rivers Phoenix or right. or Will Wheaton or <laughs> Jerry O'Connell or right. – or, uh, or the other guy. Yeah. Corey. Corey uh, Feldman. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't have any of these guys and you're trying to make Stand By Me? No. So no, you get, sat through that lost. even. I sat through that piece of trash. I'm trying to think of if I've ever, ever, ever walked out of a movie – and I don't think that I ever have. I just remember watching that one and going, 
I should leave. I should leave. <laughs> and then I finished it and I was like, I should have left. <laughs> I should have left. Um, I usually know enough walking into a movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, obviously I'm constantly disappointed. I should have walked out of Venom, I'm sure. Like that's uh, – Of which one? Venom. Oh, I didn't see that. Is it, yeah. yeah. No reason to. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't understand how it made, you know, $8 billion or however much I think much you can kind of throw any Marvel product up there and that will happen. No, but this was just it – was, it was fun. It was fun garbage. But I was the enti- literally the entire time going, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> Like it's it 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 earns nothing. Yeah, there's nothing earned in that film at all. It's just like a character will just come right out and say something, and you're like, okay, I guess that's what's going on. Right. Um, <laughs> there's no there's no attempt to, um, like draw you into this film at all. Yeah. Um, but Tom Hardy is just well, excellent. he's always great. I think that's uh, critically. I think a lot of critics were just like, well, if Tom Hardy wasn't in it, right. This movie would really be terrible. Yeah. Um, but he is very funny and, uh, you know, like uh, he's also apparently a gifted physical comedian. I so he can sort of play out. these two yeah. uh, things that are going on in his uh, mind. And I think he also does the voice of both. Okay. like Venom and, and his character. I mean, I will definitely watch it on my television. Yeah. Uh, I just did not make it in the theater. Yeah. It's just a it's, uh, it's, it's, – Probably should have done the same thing. <laughs> I think I I think I paid money to see that film. <laughs> oh, no, right. I got you know I have the movie subscription. So oh right. So like, so uh, did you really pay money? <laughs> I did. I think I I because I have the AMC thing. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, so I can see three movies a week. Uh, but I think this one was not an AMC, so I had to like go. Mm. Um, it was like, oh, let's go to the movie theater that has like dinner options. Right. <laughs> oh, that one. Because it's always a great idea because movie theaters have such good food. Yeah. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Bad idea all around. Should have walked out of that meal. Uh, all right. Five. <laughs> Question five. That's really funny. Um, what uh, What's your movie theater routine? Like where where do you sit and what do you eat? Uh, Aside from I sit, chicken wings, I guess. Uh, I sit on like the third row. Oh, okay. From the front. Um, but I go to, uh, first off, uh, one of those reclining, mm-hmm. uh, theaters. So, yeah. so my, you know, like I'm sitting in basically a, like a Barca lounger. Yes. Uh, that reclines all the way. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty far apart. Um, middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so d- towards the front in the middle, um, I... Usually like to get uh, a pizza. Oh, okay. A little flatbread pizza. Yeah. Um, and a um, I think you're my whatever, first pizza guy. Whatever, like an icy. Uh huh. Like a big icy. You uh, are what, bringing new things to the show. Wh- whatever they're called. <laughs> um, yeah, like used, a slushy. Used to be cherry coke, but mm-hmm. now I do like the slush, the slushy thing. Yeah. Um, and uh. Sometimes I'll do the old raisinets in the popcorn. Mm-hmm. That's a good uh, combo. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, most times it's just just the icy. But uh, um, sometimes I'll do that movie theater pizza because that is that is some good eats right there. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah. Awesome. Then I, um, yeah, I get high. Sure. Who doesn't? <laughs> I get high right before I walk <laughs> in the movie theater. Yeah. You can get high in public nowadays. They got those, they got these pens you can just get I, high I, off. I know the pens. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Like to get a little, uh, it's my, it's my movie theater tradition, which now I get recognized at the movie theater. So, yeah. Uh, makes it a little difficult. I was just in a, um, I was just in a film that was in theaters called Instant Family. And, uh, I was like walking out of Vox Lux, uh-huh. which is a, a, another excellent film. Yeah, I want to see that. It's so good. Um, uh, so I'm walking out of that film and I was real high. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this girl looks at me. <laughs> And she goes, were you just in that movie? And I was like, like the one I walked out of? Like I'm so like not like in the moment at all. And she was like, the movie I just saw. And I went, oh. And she was like, instant family. I was like, I sure was. Bye. Right. And like ran away. (laughs) Just ran straight out of that movie theater. Oh, that's Um, funny. So if I look high, don't – yeah, maybe, don't approach. Maybe don't approach <laughs> because I will get confused and then I'll just run away like a squirrel. Awesome. Thank you, Randy. This was yeah, a lot of fun. thank you. This was a blast. Great. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Randy's a cool dude. I feel like we were just getting to know one another and things were just heating up toward the end there right as we started to uh, – to, to finish up with the five questions. But sometimes that's how it happens, everybody, uh, when, you, when you're interviewing folks that you don't know. But Randy turns out is a great dude. I'm surprised we hadn't met previously. We got a lot of the same friends here in town. And uh, I'm just really always proud of these local actors who hang in there in Atlanta and end up getting uh, really good parts on great shows and in cool movies um, for, for sticking it out here. Uh, it's pretty cool. Love it. So uh, congratulations to Randy on on his career here. Can't wait to see where it goes next. And I uh, thought we had a good talk about Jacob's Ladder, a really great underrated film that I hope you all uh, can watch. I think you can stream it for free if you're an Amazon Prime member, uh, or you can watch it elsewhere if you want to pay for it, uh, or maybe go out and buy the DVD, go old school. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed it, everyone. And uh, until next week, are you awake? Are you dreaming? Were you ever in Vietnam? Or was it all a dream? Movie Crush is produced, engineered, edited, and soundtracked by Noel Brown and Ramsey Yunt at HowStuffWorks Studios, Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. 
Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.